Off the Ball with BetDuck.com, the sports betting exchange. Serious about sports 24-7. Every season, every sport, every team. Right, we're going to be joined in the studio in a couple of minutes' time by Ireland and Leinster prop Jack McGrath. Uh, first, though, it's a Friday, so Brian O'Driscoll is with us. Jack's not here, so you can tell us what you think from him before we, uh, before we get yeah, to it. Will do, will do. He's a big Al Young, isn't he? He is, yeah, and he's um, sporting a little... Uh, something from the 1980s on the on his top lip. I I thought it was like November uh, so November I. extended. Yeah, we're in April. But <laughs> you know, it's like when, when I saw you know, at least January. My my brother in law said there's January out there as well. But like now we're getting into uncharted territory. Yeah, yeah. So it's on purpose because uh, it uh, we we he was at the outside broadcasting copper. I was like, oh, that's interesting. Is, is there a charity thing on? <laughs> I didn't think twice about it because rugby players and charity. So we'll we'll ask him about that definitely. Here, listen, you were at the Champions Cup semi final this weekend, the Racing game. Yeah. Um. So yeah, it's kind of a hard one to call. It's um. It feels as though it's a non-event in Ireland at the moment because we've nothing. Yeah. You know, it's it seems alien to us that we we're, can get behind Ron Nagara and it's like, yeah, yeah, like that's you know. <laughs> listen, you know, I suppose I was chatting to him today, and uh, thankfully we have. In some form, a vested interest. <laughs> it's in grim, it. though, isn't it? It is. Like, I, I wonder are the players all grimmed out about the fact that they're not involved the way the rugby fans are. It seems so weird that you know, a few weeks back, they had a week off after Six Nations because uh, weekend off um, because of no quarterfinals. Yeah, and Bar Connacht, and now you know to go to the semi final, they have to be because that's what they've been used to in in recent years. Um, not one team every year, but m- nearly every year you have a Munster or a Leinster and at times Ulster getting into semi-finals and finals. And the teams who aren't there are pissed off about the fact that their rivals are there and like that's kind of seen to drive everybody on. This year everybody's looking around going, whoa. Yeah, none of us are there and yeah. we're all now you know, putting huge focus into the Pro 12, which was not a non-entity but was... was Far from the ultimate. Yeah, you know, it was a it was a, a poor second best to Europe. So, like, is there a, is there some way that, that teams can use this, or is that like outside a group, the type of logic that we would use inside the group? There, you know, the life continues on a pace, and it's actually the little things you do in the summer that are going to have the biggest impact. Yeah, I think it's more the latter. I think you know what's done is done. You you, know, you kind of make your bed in the group stages. Um, none of the teams were were good enough to to get out. Um, and so the reality is you have to you know, deal with the consequences of not having any knockout rugby you know, post-Six Nations time. I think the stark rea- reality of last year, particularly from a Leinster perspective, was that not finishing top four has a negative connotation of the group that you then find yourself in for the following year. Yeah. So um, that's why you know, you'll see them battling to the end of trying to get first or second seed to get a more favourable draw. Although... You know, it's twenty teams now, and you've got nineteen, you know, quality teams plus an Italian team. Yeah, does winning silverware for whichever the Irish teams might do it this year actually then become something that is like another focus, and you have to do that, and that becomes a habit? I th- yeah, I think. Yeah, I think it does. I think as well that winning the Pro Twelve this year will actually be a bigger trophy win because of the lack of success that we've had in Europe. Yeah. And it's as a result of, you know, those poor performances um and how, you know, the the standard actually I think this year of play has been has been better and there's there's more of a carrot in in winning it obviously because of the seeding. I think all those things will add to the fact that whoever does win it in is in Murrayfield this year 
um, you'll see you know some pretty good celebrations. I would anticipate. Yeah, it's going to be it's going to be meaningful for that for that very reason. Um, having seen the performance that Connacht put in last week, do you make them slight favourites now because they they're in this weird situation where the confidence is so high, the belief is so high, and it, it's all it's a free pass in a way. Um, I don't know if I make them favourites. Um, I think I have to say I'm. I'm I, I'm con- I continue to be very impressed. I think largely not just because of the style that they're playing, but to be able to put in a performance like that off the pr- three previous weeks that they'd had, yeah. Leinster, Ulster and Grenoble, you know, two of the results not going their way, um, but big games nonetheless, and still to be able to churn it out at home the way they did in the manner which they did um, will be a, a, you know, a, a shot of confidence to them. Having said that... Um, just looking at, at Glasgow over the last few weeks, and granted they've had a few Italian teams, but to put Scarlets to the sword the way they did, you'd have to feel that they're probably, off the back of being current champions, yeah. they're maybe still favourites to go on and win it. Okay, before we talk about um, Munster, just a, a couple of things about Connacht. The ability of like the, the fourth choice out half who comes in and takes a lot of heat for... Uh, being brave or stupid or naive or whatever it was the week against Grenoble, he comes back a week later and is like, that, that matters nothing to me. Screw that. I am who I am and I'm going to continue. That's incredible. That's right? great to see. It's really great to see. It's um, it's a breath of fresh air. Um, and you know, I saw some comments from Pat Lamb after that Grenoble game and you know, Shane O'Leary had, had kind of apologised to him for that crossfield kick and he said it's all part of learning. You know, well, he, he certainly didn't um, go into the Munster game as if he was carrying you know, any of those um, wrongdoings from the previous game, which is fantastic. He went out and played his natural game and the, and the Connacht game plan, which has been all-out attack rugby. Yeah, And I think it's what it is doing is it's seeing the best of what they have to offer. Their skill set is better than most teams in the league, maybe with the exception uh, of Glasgow. It's matched to, to theirs um, as a 15-man game, I should say. Um, but I, I just think their their attitude has been kind of inspiring, and they haven't. I know they're, they're not in. We're not at semi final stage yet, um, but they haven't allowed any of that pressure get to them thus far. Um, first time in a semi final, you know, we'll have to wait for that yeah. time to come to see if that changes anything. It can tighten people up, but you get the impression that this Connacht team is really enjoying the moment and going in the flow and living it um, day to day. They must have felt pressure when Munster scored two early tries and you're thinking, oh man, that's going to wipe out our lead here. Maybe we won't make the, we're not guaranteed to make the Champions Cup. And then it's like, no, actually, you know what, we're just going to, the, the, cynicism and the brains that they had to go okay you're going to have yellow cards here we're going to get the penalty try and we're going to have another scrum yeah, and take you down it's like that's brilliant you know and obviously their scrum was in, in the ascendancy so to have two in the bin um you know was yeah. you know was was a huge moment but oh, it still had to Keith be Earl's done problem down there yeah we'll, we'll have another one of those please it still had to be done and you still have to put the pressure on it still has to be controlled at the back of the scrum um, and you have to give the referee no other option other than a penalty try, and I think that had a huge impact on the on the game as well. Going in, um, having like you said conceded a couple of early scores to go in then at half time a few points up, um, just was was kind of the extra motivation they needed to then kick on in the second half, which they did with a plum. The skill set that you mentioned, uh, the fact that they're up there with uh, Glasgow in terms of a fifteen man game, like this is. The, the most praiseworthy aspect of everything they've done and I guess it's also the biggest stick that 
people are going to beat Munster with. Um, it's kind of like the whole Leicester example. It's like, Whoa, why can't we be Leicester? But like, Munster really should be able to match that skill set. There's no reason on earth why they shouldn't, right? No, I, I think if you look at where those Connacht players have come from in over the past few years to the players we've seen this year, I think you know we've seen a big evolution. Um, and you know we're looking at very different players yeah. that have absolutely added to what they had before in such a short period period of time as well like that that's remarkable yeah i think you know is it pat lamb's fourth year this year yeah. um yeah. so maybe we weren't as aware of the building blocks that were being put in place over the course of the last couple of years and i think it's been sort of the the icing on the cake this year the way they've you know just added that top layer to the skill set where everyone's comfortable with the ball everyone is willing to pass it, is, is running the same line, or is running as hard, I should say, but then still able to pull the ball out the back. And so it adds to their whole game plan. And it's all just clicked into motion off the back of having the confidence to do it because they've been practicing it so well at training and then it's just been replicated in games. Yeah. Um, and so that brings us nicely to what the hell's going on with Munster because this is a group who we assumed... When they're in a, it's not a winning position because it's far too early in the game. But they put themselves in a commanding position in a, in a game like that, and you feel like, okay, well, there's enough, there's enough international experience, there's enough of a tradition within the the team to be able to see this out from here. And then they just get obliterated, mm. like absolutely obliterated. Yeah, I, I think you could you could be hard on Munster because you know they disappeared a small bit, very unlike them. Although we've seen more of it happening this year, more, less of that competitive animal no matter who's in the jersey um, but I think a massive amount of credit has to go to Connacht as well let's not just prey on the negative let's let's look at the positive from from Connacht's perspective they just didn't allow them play they suffocated them when they had the ball they just ran aggressively and they, they looked as though they tired them out Munster were the team that had the break the weekend before but they looked as though they were they were lacking in their legs yeah. you know in the latter part of, of the second half and I suppose when Connacht got in the lead and and um, you know, and looked as though you know they were not there to be beaten. It just it looked like it was one way uh, stuff. Yeah. So there's a, there's like an internal momentum in the game that shifts. Yeah, and they're, they're they're they are very subtle moments where you, you know there can be a moment in a game, a big impact or a turnover or a, sco- a score against you know the run of play or Saeli's no try when he you know should have dotted it down. That has a big bearing on the outcome because those momentum shifts are a mental thing, but you, the, they inspire the collective and also silence the crowd and deflate the opposition. Yeah. So um, they they can be pivotal moments in games, but it, it's hard to take anything away from Connacht's performance because they were so courageous in the way they played. And that's that's been the license they've had, you know, uh, certainly more so in the in the latter part of the season. When I'm sorry, when I've seen more of them in the latter part of the season, um, you know, maybe they've been playing it you know, throughout the whole season, but its conditions are now allowing for a greater skill set, yeah. and I think that's why they're excelling. Yeah, it's going to be, uh, they're not going to be praying for rain anymore over there the way they might have been a decade ago. And obviously... It's actually really interesting on that point. Like, I I heard before, I saw the weather forecast saying, you know, the weather conditions are going to suit Connacht. And, and that turned the telly on, and I was wondering what were they going to be from this piece of advice that I'd heard. Yeah. And it was beautiful sunshine. And it's a long, it's a far cry from from where it would have been, you know, only a couple of years ago, yeah. where you know the w- w- wind coming in from the Atlantic was you know was their friend, and and the rain pelting down sideways. Yeah. Um. 
so you know, it, it just shows how far they have evolved. It does feel like it's the birth of something special in Irish rugby that actually we now have a fourth team who is going to be a supplier to the international side and who is regularly going to beat the crap out of the other three provinces and that's actually a really brilliant thing. It is and it's an absolute wake-up call to the other three provinces that um, now automatic selection for Champions uh, Cup isn't going to be guaranteed. Yeah. Um, and, you know, maybe... Um, more of an emphasis will be put into the Pro 12. I think it needs um, as much focus as it can get. I think it is the the poorly you know sister, so to speak, where in comparison to Champions Cup and even in comparison to top fourteen and and, and Premiership, yeah. it's it's just not there. Yeah. Um, I I think the standard of of players. I've been a bit critical of of um, some of the refereeing um, in the Pro 12. I think it's been frustrating for players. Actually, thought uh, for the most part the referee and, and um, yeah, it was Ben Whitehouse and Munster Connacht was had a, had a pretty good game. And you, but you'll need now for knockout stages and the bigger games, you'll need referees like Nigel Owens coming in to to make it as as um, even a contest as possible yeah. and for the rugby to do the talking rather than the refereeing. Um, let's talk about Munster because obviously it's not just this one defeat that has got them in the situation they're in. Um, Rob Penny was tweeting after the game, congratulations, Connacht and Pat. It could have and should have been so different. Uh, that was immediately after the game. And then two days later, he picked up on a piece that Murray Kinsella had written for the 42 about Connacht's shape, where they have this 2-4-2 shape where it's um, forwards out wide and it's uh, Pat Lamb's chosen and way yeah. of playing. Yeah, so it's kind of back row, largely back rowers on the on on the um, extremities, yeah. and then you know loose forwards on the, in the middle of the park. Yeah, Wait, not a far cry, not a massively different from where Mister Penny was going with it. Love to see that shape up there. No one else plays that way. Players love it. Conservative coaching kills it. Was his tweet. <laughs> it's like right, Rob Penny's coming out and he's got some interesting stuff to say here. Mm. Um, like Munster kind of deserve. A little bit of what they're doing at the moment because they've no clear identity. I don't. I don't. Yeah, I think they're ca- they're being caught between where they're where they want to go. Um, I I also think, and it's it's the stark reality of it that I don't think there's the same caliber of player there that there were in years gone by, and they've that the jersey and the reliance on passion can only go so far. You have to have p- players in key positions to be able to execute game plan for you you know in a strategic way at certain times in games and that comes from experience but also being a world class player and you know you play compare you know the old team from this current crop and they simply are not the same standard of players throughout the the 15, you know 1 15, 1 to 15 and some in key positions as well i think it doesn't help when you're really not sure who your best 10 is yeah. and you know, I thought it was pretty harsh on Holland, you know, being dragged off with whatever it was, fifteen twenty to go. Keatley probably didn't, you know, have his have his finest fifteen minutes. He missed a kick. I know everyone will be critical of that. It just looked as though Holland wasn't doing a whole lot wrong. Why make the change? Yeah, and I know that you know hindsight can can be easy to to you know, critique those sort of things, but well. I think it's it's not just I think Saeed's gone a small bit quiet um the, the last few months. I thought he'd a you know, big start to his to his year and he's gone a bit quiet. Um Connor Murray's probably been better in our, in the Ireland jersey than he has uh for Munster. Uh, I think they've missed Peter O'Mahony, you know, exponentially because of the loss of um of Paul O'Connell. Um so the all these factors uh, along with 
maybe a lack of understanding as to how they want to go about their business. Isn't that the, the worst part of it? Because like, I definitely accept that the team is nowhere near as good as it used to be. Um, but if they're trying to play exactly the same way as they were when they had all those world-class players, that doesn't make any sense. Like When Connacht have had their injury crisis over the, the course of the season, you've seen players step up. And because everybody understands exactly what the game plan is, it's relatively straightforward for them. You come in, you do your job, you trust in the person outside you. At the moment, players in Munster are coming in and trying to do a little bit too much or they're trying to link up and they're like, well, that's not actually what the play has been. And it looks like the communication because there's no overall or there's, there doesn't appear to be a well-communicated overarching sense of identity. No, I, I think that it does appear from the outside and, and I, you can only say that I haven't spoken to any players, but you can only look at it from the outside and think that they they um, haven't stripped you know the simplicity of their game plan back enough to be be able to then build on it. I think... Connacht have been slowly building on what they're doing now and they've managed to evolve it out to a place where they're absolutely at ease. Yeah. I think, you're right, I think Munster are lacking a bit of an identity or, or understanding what their strength is. Is their strength up front? Probably not anymore. Is their strength in the backs? Certainly their back three is potent, but you've got to get them quality ball. Yeah. Um, you know, they used to have, you know, they had the the first 15 years, I think it was, Raj was nominated um uh, player of of Europe, best player in Europe, and he had a guy that had the ball on, on a string. When his pack was in uh, in retreat, the ball was going over wingers' heads. Yeah, he just knew the timing of when to move his team around the park. I think they're lacking that uh, at the moment, irrespective of who they have in there. One last point: um, you, you mentioned Pat Lamb's comments about uh, Shane O'Leary and how you know, so long as that's a learning thing. Um, we had Johnny Murphy in here a couple of months ago, and he was talking about the differences between. Um, Rob Penny and Anthony Foley and he said that basically if you came out of your own 22 and made a mistake Penny would say to you right that was the right thing but you executed it wrong so next time let's get the execution right whereas Foley would be like kick the leather off the ball what the hell are you doing playing down there and so the team plays with this inhibition and you can see that. You've got to stick with your principles. And sometimes it'll go wrong. I remember Joe Schmidt in his first year with, with Leinster. We lost our first five games. But we knew at training that it was going the right way and that we were get, getting told the right messages. It was just a case of needing a little bit of luck and just getting a win. And it was funny, it came against Munster in, that game, in a game in the Aviva where it turned our season and we ended up going on and, and winning Europe and, and losing in the in the Pro 12 final. Um but you have to back your convictions and have a clear understanding, a clear game plan as to how you want to play. And you'll have difficult moments, but you've got to stick by that template. Otherwise, you've nothing to fall back on when the dark days continue. Yeah, and they are for the moment for Munster anyway. We've got to take a quick break. We're going to get Jack McGrath in right after these. Off the ball with betdark.com, the sports betting exchange. Serious about sports 24-7. Every season, every sport, every team. All right, uh, Jack McGrath is with us. Jack, very good evening to you. How are you doing? How's things? Yeah, pretty good. Um, you were with us a couple of weeks ago on at the Roadshow in Coppers and you were on a week off in the middle of the season. Is that just to uh, recharge the batteries? Is that how yeah, that works? Um, well, it was in, I had a week off the week previous and... Um, I just came in. Uh, Cahill rang me to come in for the twentieth birthday, so I had training the next day. Ah, okay. So, so it's actually on holidays. Okay. No, yeah. no, no. So we were we were in on a booster week uh, training. So that's it's pretty nasty. What is it? Basically, like, it's just conditioning week with loads of weights and and loads of running. And it's not a rest at all. I kind of had the sense of like, hey, do they not at that stage of the season? Are they not trying to taper down and and 
you know, and look after because there's a lot of miles on the clock. Mm. So, um, I, like, yeah, well, we were kind of, we were, we knew that we wouldn't have been playing against Edinburgh, so it w- would have been four weeks before the Ulster game. So, um, not really, no tapering down at, at that part because we just come off a week off uh, from the Six Nations, so they felt that they had to work us a bit. And is that the S&C guys driving it, or is that Leo's, um, you know, is that... Yeah, Leo's foothold. I'm sure on Leo has a um, a say in it, but it's ma- mainly pushed by the SNC guys. Um, it's their time to shine, and they really enjoy it. <laughs> <laughs> and they're the Leinster ones, not the Ireland ones. So. Yeah, Leinster ones. Yeah, but they'd be in correlation with each other, right? Because I wonder, I often wonder about the sharing of data and information. Like, is every session you do logged for Ireland and Leinster, so everybody gets to see absolutely everything that's happening? Yeah, it is. Um, everyone's kind of on the same page with that, and they're they're trying to work to one goal really, and um, just player welfare is pretty much the the main thing. I think from a player point of view, obviously, you know, there's there's no point in having um, you know being contracted centrally or for the union to have power over the over the provinces without being able to activate and access all the all the information. Yeah. So, and also particularly for the players that are getting a little bit older. It's important that they have they've got modified uh, sessions, be it you know running or or gym sessions, because of maybe a, a, an ongoing uh, issue uh, or injury of some sort. So yeah. it's important that the SNCs within the provincial setup, yeah, you know, are in communication with with the national net setup. So especially it's a kind of a seamless transition into you're not doing two very different sessions, and all of a sudden you break down. You know, yeah, exactly. Yeah, especially when it's like a twenty seven month season that you're kind of in the middle of it, like. It, it finishes in July and kind of started last May or the previous May before that, didn't it? Yeah, yeah. It's I suppose when you're looking back on it now, it's it seems pretty long. But with um, silverware on the line and potentially getting to go to South Africa, you're 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 going to push your body that bit more. And the fact that we did have a little bit of time off, I'm still young. It doesn't like you, yeah, yeah. A, a week you'd nearly be itching to get back into it. So it's, it's not like you're fifty, like Mike Ross. Well, yeah, uh, exactly. He's, um, I think he's forged his uh, date of birth a few times at this stage. <laughs> Rossi made had some big impacts. I thought he played he played well against them for for a guy that's obviously chasing another couple of years. He's gone about it the right way. Made some big big impacts uh, against Edinburgh weekend. Yeah, yeah, no, he had a good game. Definitely, yeah. Um, he's he's playing well. He's he's like a fine wine. Well, for so he'll say himself, but he's. Uh, <laughs> You got a yeah. career as an agent ahead of you here. <laughs> it's uh, it is you keep we keep talking about weeks off. The reason there's a week off is because none of the Irish teams have reached the semi-finals of the um, Champions Cup, and we were chatting a little bit about this earlier, but kind of using that as a motivation. Obviously, you can't be inspired by defeat, and you can't um, look too deeply into okay, well, you know, I'm burned up by this. But at some point, it has to be a bit of a pain that like all the best teams in Europe are playing this weekend, and normally we should be part of that. Yeah, well, I was I was lucky when I came into the squad initially that we were fighting on both fronts, and um, probably over the last few years we've fallen short quarterfinals, semi-finals, and not getting in, into the the final sixteen um, this year. So it's it's pretty frustrating, and it's hard to watch when you see other teams in that position that yeah you, you have been in there yourself. Will you watch the games this weekend? I'll keep an eye on them, yeah, but it'll be it'll be kind of a bit hard to watch. 
that's a good thing, though, right? Like, you, you shouldn't be sitting there going, oh, getting a few beers and watching the games. Yeah, going, yeah, oh, I, don't, I don't think you're meant to be cheering one side <laughs> on or, or, or the other, you know. I think it it has to hurt a little bit and realize, and it's, it, it feels the, the flames for the following year and realizing you want to be there on the biggest occasions, year on year, particularly when you've had a taste of it. I think when... Um, when you're oblivious to it, um, you know it, it doesn't have the same impact. But when you've been there last year, and when you've got maybe a winner's medal or two in your pocket, I think that has an impact on you when you do see them and you see, you know, the crowds and 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 later on in the year, the faster track and the sun maybe shining. You know, yeah. that's the time of the year. It's it's all well and good, you know, playing you know throughout winter and around Christmas time when you throw all your sleeves up. But you do all those hard yards to get yourself in a position to play in, during the glory days, so yeah. to speak. So what needs to change? What gets you back there next year? I think um, a lot of people were saying things about coaching and all that. But at the end of it, it's it's the players. Look at the quality of players we have, the amount of internationals, lines. And we probably weren't uh, performing to the to our best ability. And that was the most frustrating thing. And... Uh, That'll have to change. There's a fairly obvious question about that, though. Like, why? What? Do you have you put a finger on like why that happened? Because it seemed to happen to so, so many of you collectively at the same time. Yeah, to be honest, I don't really, I don't know. Sometimes these strange things happen, and it's uh, not for the good of the team. And it it just so happened that it happened this year, and it was a bit unfortunate that it it happened around European weeks. Um, it's disappointing, but as you said yourself, it's good to fuel for next year and and uh, take those losses and 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 use them. Do you feel like this is a new team now? That like because you came in at the very start of a team that was competing for the Heineken Cup as it was then, and was like a real golden period. Is this now a new team? Is it your team? Is it like are you guys the leaders of this team? I know there's a, a clear crossover with. Sexton and Heaslip and the Carneys and uh, Luke Fitzgerald and even even to a certain extent you but at some point you have to become the the uh, second generation where it is a, a like it's not the Joe Schmidt team anymore mm-hmm. it's not the Michael Checker team anymore it's a Leo Cullen team and and you guys are the the ones who are at the peak of your powers yeah I think it's um, it's every team goes through it that. Changing of the guards almost is what it's uh, what it's called, and uh, it's just um, I think for us as players, it's time to stand up. And um, the young guys that were there initially in the squad, like myself, Reese, Dippy, Dominic Ryan, um, guys like that, all coming through, com- that were coming through at the time. Yeah, uh, that Leinster were so successful. It's it's kind of on our shoulders now. Where the guys were when we were that age to, to kind of take on that mantle because there's an area in between when you're coming up and you're not that experienced and you're getting a little bit of game time and it can take two or three years for those guys to sort of start stepping up and, and sometimes it happens earlier, sometimes it happens later but obviously for us we want to try and kick on and, and um, get going again next year. I suppose, do you realise the importance of your of that breed coming through having been in the academy and come out of school and seen the elements of success that came through Leinster and it probably started when you were you know, 16, 17, 18. Do you feel that there's an, an onus on you now to make sure that you instill the same mentality in that new breed coming through the academy? Absolutely, yeah, because when I was in there, I saw the likes of yourself, Leo, Geno, all these guys had these, the expectation of 
every game you play you're you're going out to win and and there's um yeah that's kind of what you want to be known as as a player guys look at you and and expect that you're going to give everything any game no matter what the game and I think it's as simple as that as as it's as simple as that as how you can be successful do you have chats with the like do you do you feel like from a leadership perspective you're now expected to stand up and call people out if they're not doing stuff yeah but I think a lot of leadership is doing by actions you can you can talk all day long but eventually it's it's people stop listening it's about what you do with your actions and, yeah. and that's probably the simplest thing well then let's talk about your actions because you get nominated for the player of the year you're the, the Leinster nominee for the player of the year the Arupa award so obviously you've had a decent season like from your own perspective and I'm sure all professionals are always thinking well I need to improve this 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 and this but like do you, did you have a sense that yeah this is actually I'm doing my job and I'm doing it really well and I'm I'm progressing all the time is this a season like does it feel like a breakthrough season for you um to be honest, so I like I never even expected to get nominated for something like that. I think for me, I just try and because I'm always I'm trying to compete with like, a lot of quality loose heads. So yeah, King Healy's pretty good. Yeah, but there's guys in the other provinces as well. Like you, you, it's it's all well and good to compete with Keen, but there's there's quality elsewhere as well. So you need to you need to um, have consistency, and that's what I try and do. And I think so is this is this the period now where you actually you believe you have that consistency that like your skill set is at a level where you're going okay I'm confident now in any situation or um well, you can you can say that like you're always learning every time you're playing but it's uh I probably I wouldn't say I'm like at, at a level that I don't think you're ever at a level that you're fully fully like confident but there's situations that you've been in before that you that when you were less experienced you may have reacted differently so now you've got comfort I guess is exactly. yeah I think there's a confidence comes from the position you probably find yourself yeah. in um you know Kean had been a you know the first choice in a regular for a long time and this season has been the one where you've copper fastened your position yeah I'll say it rather than you say it in in you know as number 1 in Leinster and and certainly with number 1 in Ireland and now it's your jersey for other people to come and, and chase. So I think that gives you a huge confidence, you know, but at the same time, provided you keep yourself in check and you don't take anything for granted, you constantly improve on, on things. That's the way of staying in the jersey rather than thinking, I'm number one now, fantastic, yeah. job done. Yeah, because yeah. it can happen pretty quickly. Overnight you can, I don't know, put on a bit of weight or not move as quick and or get an injury or something like that and it's gone and all that work is for nothing so I suppose You do have to enjoy that confidence too though to be able to fully release it it's a little bit about what we were talking about Connacht earlier on Yeah and it's love. listen don't you know you should enjoy any nomination you get because it means particularly from players you know being nominated by your peers is the is the one that all players talk about being the the, the better the best one yeah it's fantastic for the media to to you know, give you plaudits but for your peers to to um to um to put your name up in lights is the really nice one and so i think that does you know that inspires more confidence realize i'm going about my business right and gives you a reason to work harder again rather yeah. than sit back on your laurels actually to kick it on to the next level. Yeah. I guess you couldn't really sit in your laurels either trying to oust Keane Healy from the team. Like It's not bad having that as a target pretty early stage in your career. Yeah, well, I think the way myself and Keane have worked over the last few years has been 
quite good. We've been sort of sharing the load and we're competing against each other and we we want to be the two best loose heads in the world and he's already won. So for me to try and do what he does or play my own game, it's sort of, it's it's up to me to sort of just keep on yeah, keep on going, I suppose. Um, I do have to ask you, what's the story with the Tash? It's not November. Do you not like it? I, well, I, I kind of do, but I remember what I was saying earlier, we saw it the first time in Coppers, I was like, do your old boy have one? He does, yeah. yeah. Yeah, has he had it a long time? He has, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Just mini me. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's kind of um, started off for a bit of crack and a few people said it looked all right and I just haven't bothered shaving it. I'm not allowed to have one. I get, I, I'm like, I'm a beard, I'm allowed, but not a moustache. <sighs> really? Yeah. I can understand that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, um... I'm allowed, yeah, I'm allowed. I have to, uh, I had to write a, a form down to, to ask for it. And oh yeah, got you, got, you got the permission slip. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Um, on a more serious note, I did want to talk to you about the campaign that you've been fronting for IRUPA recently. Um, this is a mental health awareness campaign. It's obviously something that's very important to you. It's a big decision to come out and be public about an incident as tragic as that in your own life. And I wondered what that process was like for you. Because like, obviously you have to feel confident enough that it's going to be something that you can deal with. Yeah, well, it's it took me a long time to even build up the guts to even start talking about it. So, it's I've spoken to a few people, my family included, and it's probably just another process of grieving, um, in a way. And it's it's it got really good reaction, and and hopefully it's helped some more people than I'll ever know. So that's that's the main thing. Yeah, but I can see why it got such good reaction the the Vimeo is amazing and we'll, we'll tweet it out here just to make sure that anybody who hasn't seen it um, because it's so difficult to talk about it's such a like even your own anxiety in the aftermath of your brother's death was very difficult to talk about because it's not like something that you know men aren't supposed to be able to deal with these issues it's, yeah. it's difficult for us to admit to any sign of weakness because ultimately that's going to somehow come back and bite us in the ass but with you it's like a release there's like a sense of this this can unburden me and this can actually free me from some of the difficulties that I have Yeah I think you hit the nail on the head and I suppose when I heard about the campaign initially and I, I heard the ideas behind it I, I really wanted to get involved because I knew that my story would, could and would make a difference so um and it was yeah, it was a it was a great exercise and, and the day that we filmed it I'd never done anything like that, so that was kinda nice to do as well. And um yeah, I'm just like really happy with the reaction that I got and a lot of people that got onto me texts in Facebook, even just people on the street. I was out for dinner like the next day and some random person came up to me and said, Great video and like that's the kind of thing, that's when you know it makes a little bit of a difference. Sometimes Maybe your mates feel they have to say it to you, you know, but if some random bloke or yeah. woman on the street is coming up to you and saying it, it's obviously made some sort of difference. Yeah, no, it does. I, I like it was I don't want to repeat the point again, but you so often don't find people take the opportunity to talk about things that will really help them if they just talk about them. And I to be honest, Brian, maybe our sports people need to do a bit more of this and just kinda I think, yeah, I think, do you know what it is? It's courageous. Um, I think, I suppose I was uh, I was in a situation myself where I'd, I lost a friend to, to suicide and partly because I didn't want to talk about it and, it was, and I felt it was a private thing, but partly I guess I didn't want to be spokesperson for the family as well. 
Um, but I think it takes a huge amount of courage to go and do it. And I think you get the just rewards from it. And in, 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 even if you just affect one person's life and make, you know, get the message out that you know it's okay to share your thoughts and your feelings and to feel low and uh, I think you know it's 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 absolutely the taboo is gone and we need to speak about it more because it'll it'll be perceived as in inverted commas more normal then. yeah and I, I, as well I think it wasn't just for the people who are suffering from mental health issues but it's for the people who are left behind as well who do feel that sense of guilt or the anxiety about yeah. this whole thing well what, one thing I had to make sure of was I had to ask my family first as well because I would have I was doing interviews and I had to just see if my mother and my sister and my father were okay with me talking about it, which they were, and they were happy because they knew that it would have a an effect on people, a, a positive effect, I suppose. Yeah, no, I'm sure it did. Well, listen, it's it's clear that the leadership is happening on and off the field. Um, best of luck with the rest of the season, and uh, hopefully we'll talk to you again sometime after you come back from a winning trip tour of South Africa. Thank you very much. Cheers. Good stuff, Jack. Uh, Jack McGrath there. Uh, Brian, thanks very much for being with us this evening too. We'll Great. see you again real soon. Yeah. Is the game, the the Paris-London game is in... Racing in... Racing uh, Leicester is in Nottingham. Leicester in yeah. Nottingham in the, the city Sunday grounds. afternoon. Yeah. All right, so that's live on BT Sport and uh, we're going to take a quick break. We're back with Crappy Quiz. Off the Ball with BetDark.com The Sports Betting Exchange Serious about sports 24-7 Every season, every sport, every team